Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. Stay tuned for a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host, Nick Scopes. And the Gregolicious. You know how we do, because you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. About get jitty, cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah, cause this unhinged comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready, cause we bout to get it poppin'. And we ain't stopping. Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I'm the unfunny Greg Alprin. (laughs) (laughs) And the very honest Greg Alprin today. That's good. Um, Our guest today is one of those guests where I see the email and I see we're going to interview someone and I go, how the hell did we get this person? How did this even... (laughs) How did we manage this? We're doing so well, apparently. Um, our guest today is the founder of Comedy Central, Art Bell. What's up, Art? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. No, thanks again. Like I said in the beginning, thanks for coming on. No, no, I thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, what are you, nah, what are you nah. doing here? Seriously? Like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, what are you oh, doing? No, I, I love you guys. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I, like you... Talking, I like talking about this stuff with guys like you, you know. Because you probably don't know that much about how Comedy Central started, right? You figured it just showed up one day. That's what you know, I, my, my earliest memory, uh, you know, people always ask me, did you, you know, do you want to be a stand-up when you were a kid? And I was like, I mean, I watched some stand-up. I didn't really thought, but the, the one stand-up special that kind of I watched repeatedly over and over again was Jim Brewer's on Comedy yeah. Central. Yeah. I was in, I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. We watched that. I can't even tell you how many times. And that was probably the only time where I was like comedy stand up. That was my first probably exposure to like stand up comedy when I was like wow. 12 or so. So that's kind of late. It was. I mean, there were other things like I remember, I guess there was the Kings of Comedy in the year 2000 that came out. But I used to watch a lot of like old stuff with my dad and my grandmother, like Dean Martin Roast and. Dean it was Martin like, Rose, yeah. yeah, like that stuff. So it was like, it wasn't pure stand up, but it was just like, you know. You know, Don Rickles making fun of everybody. And hey, shit, it's all so. comedy, man. Yeah. It's all funny. Well, that's the but, first one that like clicked for me where I was like, oh, Jim Brewer, eighth grade. I remember that. You know what well, I mean? Nick, does, Nick is too young to remember that it was actually not called Comedy Central when it started. Right? It was the comedy. No, that's right. You're absolutely the right. Comedy Channel? Um, we started as the Comedy Channel. Yeah. Because, you know, that's. Wow. If you're going to name an all comedy channel something, why not call it the Comedy Channel? <laughs> <laughs> Good marketing. <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting i don't i don't know if you uh heard this story but the, you know the reason we changed the name to comedy central is because it was the comedy channel we started the comedy channel then six months later we got some competition from mtv networks they started something called ha right greg you remember that uh, vaguely like i yeah. read that and i'm like it, it, it was it it, it's it's a vague memory to me, but I definitely remember when the Comedy Channel started because right, right. Yeah. I just, like I, I was in college or about yeah. to be in college. And I remember when I was going through like picking my like the 10 channels I could afford, like when I was picking cable, I was always like, I have to have a comp like I just needed that. So I always remember the Comedy Channel and eventually obviously changed to the Comedy yeah, Central. Right, right. But how I don't 
I don't have a, a clear memory of it, but I, it's vague. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, they, they showed up six months after we did, you know, to compete. Yep. And then we were head to head for like six months and then they merged us, which to me was a, you know, that was kind of a personal tragedy. Right. Because I thought, you know, I thought we were good and pre would prevail. Anyway, they threw us together and they said, okay, you guys figure out what the new channel looks like and you, you got to rename it. You can't call it Comedy Channel, can't call it Ha. Right. I, I raised my hand. I said, why can't we call it Comedy Channel? Come on, guys. No. Well, that's so crazy. Who was who president of, of the network at that point? A guy named Bob Creek. And was that of not of not of Comedy Channel, but that, that was it who, was owned by Viacom, right? Obviously. Comedy Central. Yeah. Com when they merged the channels, they brought a guy in named Bob Creek. He had been right. working at Fox. Right. Because yeah. I, I, I know a few guys who were at the early days of MTV. And, you know, I've had a, lots of weird different conversations with them over time. Do you know John Baum? No. He was at MTV when it started. Um, and it's just, just always interesting to me how, how all of the things like kind of fell together. Right. But what, what were you doing before Comedy Central or the Comedy Channel? Well, I was working at HBO and I was working as kind of a financial analyst, uh, which was not really in the heart of the comedy department at HBO. <laughs> As you can You're imagine. kidding. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but, you know, I, I guess Nick was talking about when he was in seventh grade, he started to, uh, to look at comedy and stand up comedy and everything. For me, it was earlier than that. For me, I was like six or seven. And I was watching the Ed Sullivan show, which was a weekly variety show. And that's where I saw Richard Pryor the first time. He was yeah. about 20 years old, just a kid. Um, and all the Borscht Bell comics, Alan King and those guys, yep. whom I loved. That's um, good. And that's where I started, you know, really developing my love for comedy. I said, man, these guys, these guys are funny. How do you do that? Right. And uh, anyway, so to make a long story short, I ended up at HBO because I wanted to be close to television and comedy, but I wasn't a programming guy. Right. Um, but I'd had this idea for an all comedy channel because hell there was a, you know, there was an all news channel and all music channel, all that stuff. I said, why can't I work at an all comedy channel? And the reason was there isn't one. Right. So I went, I went to the head of HBO programming. Her name was Bridget. And I said, Bridget, I think HBO ought to do an all comedy network. And she said, stop right there. That is the worst idea. I've ever heard. <laughs> and she, she spent about 15 minutes telling me why it was the worst idea. I'll give you some of the, some of her key points. Um, she said that no comedian would want to be on it. She said that there were, there was too much comedy on television already. And she said, nobody wanted to watch comedy for 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I do, but you know, yeah, <laughs> that's just me. Anyway, she, uh, you know, that didn't go very far. So it, it took me a while before somebody at HBO was actually the chairman of HBO heard about the, my idea and what I wanted to do and said, maybe we should, we should try this so. right but that's got to be pretty wild for a guy that's in the accounting department to pitch creating a, a network and actually following through on that like how does that go at the time you know obviously it, the cable business was much different you know back then there was not that much of it i mean compared to what there is today well you know but, what it's it's interesting you say there's not that much of it i mean there wasn't that much of it but it was a lot more expensive to start a channel sure i mean you know by the mid 2005 2006 you could start a channel out of your garage, right? You know, and that's what YouTube basically became, right? Everybody sure. was had their own channel, but in those days, you needed a giant uplink facility. You needed, you know, all kinds of infrastructure to get your signal out. 
And so it's very expensive, which is why there weren't all that many channels in those days. Yeah. Uh, so I couldn't, you know, it wasn't the kind of thing where I could start it on my own. And I pitched HBO um, because I'd had, as I said, I loved comedy, had the idea for a long time. I couldn't believe there wasn't one. And when they finally said, yes, man, I thought I had a tiger by the tail at that point because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I had the idea and I knew what I wanted it to be and how it was going to work. But they teamed me up immediately with a guy named Stu Smiley. Do you know Stu? Do you no. run into Stu? No. Head of comedy de uh, development at HBO. And he knew everybody. He knew Robin and, and Whoopi and Billy and all those guys. First name, had their home numbers, the whole sure. thing. He'd been in the comedy business for 10 years. Right. I'd been in the comedy business zero years. Right. And the first time I met him, he said, what do you know about comedy? That was the first thing he said to me. You know? <laughs> and I... Uh, he didn't say it nicely either, right. you know, and he didn't really teach me much. I mean, he, I learned a lot, but I had to teach myself about the yeah. comedy business. You know, this guy had been in it for 10 years. So I was working with comedy professionals. And uh, uh, as you pointed out, I had been in the finance department, you know, right. I didn't know what I was doing. Well, I mean, at the time, HBO, I mean, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but they were the comedy business, you know, at the time with the, the young comedian specials. Right. And, and, comic relief and all those things that they were, you know, known for and having, you know, the, like that's where you would go to watch comedy specials. There was no other place. Well, you're right to a certain extent because what was going on then was the comedy, the comedy club thing was really coming together in the United States. It started to be comedy clubs all over the place. Secondly, HBO got into that comedy business in the mid eighties, you know, okay. kind of, you know, and they put together those specials, very high end, very well-produced specials with a talent. Sure. And that was great. But you may not remember this. A&E had a show called A&E at the improv. It was every night at seven 30. Right. And they played every comedian who was alive in those days. Sure. Did A&E at the improv brick wall, microphone, 35 people out front cheaply produced and if you went out in those days said where do you find comedy on television three quarters of people would say ain't it the improv you know yeah. i watched that because it was on every night right and not everybody had hbo so one of the things i said to hbo is like hey man you guys you're gonna lose the comedy franchise to that you know to a and e who has no business being in it sure and that's that got you know that got them kind of like right riled up because then even DH1 went, right? And they developed a comedy series with Rosie O'Donnell, like back well, in the early 90s. Yeah. But, you know, you got to remember, comedy was all over the place. As, sure. as Bridget said, she said, there's comedy all over the place. What do you need a 24-hour channel for? But I said, look, you know why you need a 24-hour channel? Because you're going to have a channel where things that wouldn't get on the air anywhere else would have a place to go. You know sure. what I mean? Innovative comedy. That's what I kept thinking about. And one of the things that happened when we first started the channel, this was like before we had just announced it and we got in the mail, Mystery Science Theater 3000, <laughs> a tape from the guys who were making it. And I saw the tape and we all were sitting around watching it like we can't believe our good luck. Right. This shows up in the mail. That's funny. And I realized then that, you know, that was not going to go to NBC. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, that no. was not going to go. Even HBO wouldn't have taken that. Right. But for us, man, that was great. And the, the note said, hey, we hear you guys are starting a comedy channel. Is this something you'd be interested in? You know, there you, go. Yeah. you got to think like where else would have where Chappelle's show gone 
daily show like nbc abc they're not going to pick that up probably fox you know what i mean the Chappelle show is an interesting example now i was gone by the time Chappelle got there but Chappelle had shot that all over the place yeah you know and he thought he i'm sure he could have he wanted a deal at hbo or one of those places but he ended up at comedy central which was good for comedy central yeah. And him ultimately, I think. Yeah, of yeah. course. But you're right; it wouldn't, it wasn't going to go anywhere else. So, so when you, I, go ahead, Nick. No, what I was going to say was we had um, Madeline Smithberg on. Um, who, oh yeah, yeah, she's the best. She's but I was t- telling her talking about you know Comedy Central, and like The Daily Show. I probably until the age of 25 got all my news from <laughs> The Daily Show. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like I didn't watch CNN until I was 25 years old. But I, my whole life, like when I wanted to just know what was going on politically, I watched John Stewart because I couldn't stand the regular news. I was like, this guy's funny and he knows what the hell he's talking about. He's not dumb. So that was how I got my news from the age of whatever 12 until i was 25 years old. you know you're not the only person to say that i mean i think that's one of the that was one of the most interesting things about comedy central and ultimately the daily show was that a whole generation discovered news and discovered that there was a you know that they should pay attention to what was yeah. going on whereas before they didn't pay attention yeah uh, so i think that was really a good thing so h- how long was your run at comedy central well it was eight years altogether right I left in 1996, um, but by that time, that was around the time the Daily Show was coming in. That was around the time South Park came in. Sure. And uh, you know, we we had gotten it to the point where we knew it was going to be successful. Right. So that made me that made me feel really good. And do you, is is South Park what really like blew it up? Was when South Park hit the network. Um, I think that. The Daily Show and South Park made it, you know, kind of world famous. Right. Um, but it's not like it wasn't, you know, doing well before that. Sure. No, I just because I, I mean, I remember I was not a, a big South Park watcher, but of course I watched it when it came on right around that time, of course. And it it was one of those, you know, properties. I'm, I'm in the consumer products business that just sort of took the country by storm. Right, like yeah. it came on, and it was so irrel- 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 forget the word, forget, never irreverent. mind, reference. <laughs> <laughs> Nick loves when I stumble on words. It doesn't happen. Uh, he's wearing a that, Britney Spears T-shirt. Don't expect that, much from him, you know. You know that it was. You know they certainly took that shock jock mentality, like a, a Howard Stern show that he was doing on E. You know, and sort of brought that much more mainstream with the topics that they that they were covering and the language that they used and having a piece of shit be like a character in the show you know like all of these things that there was there's literally no other place they really could have done that network wise you know on a weekly basis the way they did it besides a place like the comedy channel uh, the comedy comedy central um like, did you where, did you have any role in that? Was it like even on like the table when you were there? Like, yes. what, well, I didn't have much of a role in it. What happened was, and I don't know if you know the story, those guys sent around a Christmas card, an animated Christmas card, and they sent it to all the networks. And it got around to everyone. And it certainly made its way to Comedy Central. And we saw the thing and we were hysterical. And, every, and you say it wouldn't have ended up anywhere else. I think MTV wanted it very badly. Oh, really? Yeah. MTV wanted it. 
um, but Comedy Central got it. Right. And I remember the conversation we had with the head of advertising sales at Comedy Central. Now, you know, the ad sales. I don't sure. know if you guys have advertising here, but, you know, the advertisers, they're not sure they want to be associated with anything controversial. Oh, totally. Of course. Right. So we, show, we showed the Christmas card to the ad sales guy and the guy almost had a heart attack. You know, <laughs> I bet. what but, was the Christmas card? Can you describe it? Oh, it was just totally, you know, something, honestly, it was how long ago is that? And I'm old, but, um, I, I, as I recall, it was about the spirit of Christmas and then Jesus Christ shows up (laughs) and he's like, no, wait a second. What are you guys doing? But it was, it was completely profane. Of course. It was completely. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Just took no prisoners, you know, like I, I, Honestly, if I if I try and describe it, I'll get it all wrong. But the thing is, it was you were laughing so hard you couldn't see half of it. Yeah, yeah, but it was it just took apart Christianity and Judaism and kids and parents and rabbis and priests and and Jesus himself came under some heavy fire. I gotta say, which you know, <laughs> which uh, wasn't no, it's on the internet know, somewhere. Like it's definitely on the internet. Like I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or something. I don't know. You know, that's an interesting question. Um, but anyway, uh. Credit Comedy Central and credit that ad sales guy, Larry Divney. He became president of the comedy of Comedy Central a few years later. But he um, he said, look, I'll sell it, you know, right. put it on. I'll do what I can. I'll sell it. And of course, you know, the rest is is history. But a lot of ad sales guys would say, forget about it. For sure. I'm not even going to touch it. Right. You know, we're not even going to take it out. I, I guess pre that, you know, you had kind of Beavis and Butthead sort of, you know, paved the way a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously they were nowhere near as controversial as as South Park was. And to this day, I mean, it's insane that that show lives to this day doing, you know, and continuing to push those those boundaries. I mean, it's wild. You know, I it, I really think it's it's tribute to what that the network started out to be and, you know, what they were willing to put on the air, you know, in the name of comedy, of course. So what, so if you were there for eight years, what, you know, what are some of the highlights of that time besides getting the network built and and to the point where you passed it off? Well, not dying, you know, I mean, that, that really was a highlight. The first year at comedy channel and the first year at comedy central after that, I thought they were going to pull the plug any day, you know? So for me, a highlight was going to work and seeing that they didn't, you know, they didn't kill the whole project. And it was, it was really this close because they expected it to be more successful more quickly than it was. Right. And, uh, and when it wasn't, people were unhappy. That's why um, you didn't mention the book, but I wrote my memoir and it's called constant comedy, how I started comedy central and lost my sense of humor. (laughs) The lost my sense of humor part is about putting it together because it was just, it was just so oppressively crazy in that first year or two. I'm sure uh, trying to get it started and trying to keep your sense of humor right. um, uh, and trying to figure out what to do next. So that, as I said, the, the board or the bosses didn't call and say, look, this isn't going very well. We're going to shut it down. Right. So, you know, that was, that, that was that, I think, you know, there were some other highlights too. I mean, I think I would say that putting the merger together and naming it comedy central and then reemerging was one of the toughest things I ever did in my life because we had two completely different, companies coming together two completely different ideas of what a comedy network should be and i know that sounds kind of silly but you know they were doing they the high guys were doing more sitcoms we were doing more stand-up you know i mean it was just different 
concepts. Right. And we had to put it together and come up with a single vision for the channel, which we did. So to me, that was a great success. After that, a year or two later, well, first of all, we had John Stewart working for us from day one. Right. At Comedy Channel. And, you know, somebody mentioned, I think it was you, Nick, said he was smart. Yeah. And that's, you know, as soon as I saw him on TV, he was doing a show for us called Short Attention Span Theater. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I saw him, I said, man, this guy's good. He's smart. And he, you can tell he was empathetic. You know, he was sensitive. He was funny as hell. And he he had a partner, Patty uh, Rossborough. I don't know if you know Patty, yeah. another comedian. And he talked a lot and she cracked up most of the time because he was so funny, you know. Um, and I knew he was going to be great. So was that show pre or post the Jon Stewart show on MTV? Pre. He went from there to, uh, to the to the MTV show, and then he came back to do the Daily Show. Yeah, because that I mean, I I went I lived in the city at the time, and used to try to go to see that John Stewart taping uh, as much as I could, and I got down to a whole bunch of them, and they were, you know, it was funny because I you know I'm lucky enough to have seen the John Johnny Carson show live and oh, Hall wow. and Letterman show. So I did that whole like talk show circuit through the years. And I honestly, I really enjoyed John Stewart's show the most because it was, it, it was just like kind of a party of funniness. Like you never knew what you were going to get on that show. Right. Like I remember one, the, one of the tapings I went to Anna Nicole Smith was on and I'm like, it was like watching John Stewart interview Anna Nicole Smith. You know, you could tell he he was being funny, but he also was like too smart for that interview. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But he, he positioned it for the audience, which was a bunch of, you know, high school kids and 20 and something college, you know, beer guzzlers. So I always I always really loved that side of John and then obviously the daily show you know I got my news from news outlets I obviously of course understand why Nick gets his news from the daily show but you know it's it was a perfect timing you know for for what was going on I think in the world you know at the time you know the late 90s you know for for the daily show to come and sort of speak to Nick's generation if you will yeah I think I think that's right and I think you know, I think Comedy Central is the only place it could have developed that way. Sure. You know, the only place that would have happened. I, uh, one of the things that was a big deal when I was there that kind of led to the, the Daily Show was we started covering politics live. Right. Uh, we did, we covered the State of the Union undress, address, um, which, you know, again, people under 30 were not tuning in, Definitely, you know, dying to know what the state of the union address was, but nope. we did, we did it live. We had Al Franken as the first host and Al was basically just commenting on what was going on. Yeah. And he was, you know, another guy who's very smart, sure, very funny. And it was just, I think that was along with a couple other, one of the most magical moments for me, because it was around that time, that was 1992 was around that time that the press kind of like looked up and said, wow, these guys are doing stuff that nobody else ever did anywhere on the air. Right. This, and they were talking about the state of the union address the next day. This thing was unbelievably innovative and funny. And so these guys are really onto something. And after that, you know, we did it every year. Right. And I talk about in my book, I talk about several iterations of it, including one with Dennis Miller. Uh, and, um, 
ultimately we covered the political conventions and John Stewart was part of that. Yeah. He was covering the political conventions for us. So it was a logical next step to do a to do a uh, daily uh, news show. Sure. Um, so what do you think, you know, about, you know, obviously you've been gone there a long time. What do you think about where the network is today and what, you know, what's happening with it? Do you think it's much different from when you left it or is it still like in the same mold of what you wanted to suit, you know, set out to create? Well, let me start by saying it's uh, it's the 30th anniversary of Comedy Central in April. And for me to look in my rearview mirror and see something I started that long ago still thriving and something that, you know, really became a cultural icon is is really thrilling. You know, I think sure. that's a great thing because my vision at the time and the way I sold it in was this was going to be a place for comedy. This was going to be the biggest brand in comedy in the United States. Now, arguably at the time, Saturday Night Live was the other, you know, was the yeah. only other thing going. Yeah, other channels were around and stuff like that. But, you know, you said comedy in 1993, people said either Saturday Night Live or this new channel, Comedy, Cha comedy Central. But it really took over, I think, along the way. And I think it's you know, it's really huge to that vision of being a place for comedy, a place where comedians can launch careers, sure. a place where um, people could bring their crazy projects and get them put on the air and try things. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of that. That's what I wanted it to be. Now, you ask me what it, what it is today, meaning like wh what was on last night. I mean, I don't have any particular comment. Right. They, they go through various iterations. They got new management in there for about a year and, and new management, you know, they got their hands full trying to figure out how they're going to do it slightly differently than the last guys and still make it more successful. So right. we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I basically watch two channels <laughs> and that's, that's one of the two channels, you know, what's the other one, Greg? Well, three channels. H HGTV. <laughs> yeah, DIY. Uh, yeah. <laughs> food network. Yeah, I you know, can't I watch to, that. I'll I just go on to, a but I, rampage. I can't either anymore. Um, yeah, no, I, I watch either. traditional news and I watch the com and uh, Comedy Central because whether it's a stand-up special or a stand-up show or a documentary like the Patrice O'Neill documentary or The Office or Park and Rec, you know, I, I know when I turn that channel on, I'm going to be entertained regardless yeah. what's on that channel. And you can't say that for a lot of channels. You know, I could turn on HBO for and watch HBO for four days before something comes on that I actually want to see. So Comedy Central is like the hub. You know, I was in Florida uh, last week and I don't even have cable. I just have you know, one of those Roku things that connects to the internet. And all I watched was Comedy Central. Didn't matter what was on. Well, you know, that is a spectacular success for a channel. For, for, for a channel to, because what does every channel promise? We're going to have something on for you all the time that you're going to want to watch. That's, that's how channels work. That's what they want you to think. And Comedy Central, I think you're right, is one of the ones that stayed true to its brand, which was all comedy all the time. And also, you know, edgy, innovative comedy, yeah. not just any kind of comedy. Yeah. And so that is what made it so successful. And sure. that's what we started. That's what I did the first eight years I was there, right. was trying to figure out how to make that work. Well, I think it's amazing. And obviously as a comedy fan, <laughs> thank you <laughs> for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's tremendous, man. Tremendous. You know, I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, my, 
I don't want to transition too far away from comedy, but your next job is like the polar opposite of comedy, right? Like you went from Comedy Central to Court TV. Right, Court TV. Yeah, that was um, that was an interesting transition. And I got a lot of, now, if you worked at comedy, what are you doing here kind right. of things, you know? But it was, it was, you know, listen, first and foremost, I, I love the television business. And at comedy, I really cut my teeth on, on yeah. uh, you know, on how to be a programmer and how to make a channel and all those things. So when I left comedy, Court TV was pretty much flat on its face. The guy who had started it wanted it to be all courtroom television all the time, you know? That pretty much went south fast because like who wants to watch court reruns of court courtroom television at night right. against all the stuff that the networks were putting on and everything else. So right. I went in and I said, okay, this is a channel I said about investigations, about solving crimes and about the criminal justice system. And I got fascinated with it because you know what I have, I, you have to get fascinated with what you're doing. You know, you just have to get really interested in it. And I did. And there was also something else there that I learned about that I hadn't done anything with before. And that was journalism. Right. I walked into court TV and there was a newsroom. I mean, there's like 30 journalists sitting there, you know, in those little, you know, at their desks. And these guys were hardcore. These guys are kinds of guys who would crawl over a glass for a story, Sure. you know, and they wanted to get it right. And I walked in and you what do you think they said? What does this guy know about journalism? Who's the funny <laughs> he was guy? just working at comedy. <laughs> and, and I had to kind of win them over because they were like, what are you going to do here? You don't know what right. you're doing. And so that was, that was a big challenge. And I was there for eight years. seems like my, my career falls into like eight year, eight year <laughs> but I was there for eight years and we made it extremely successful and it got bought for a boatload of money. And then, you know, that was the second channel that was pulled out from under me. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to stop with the channels and I do something else. Yeah. But, but, but Court TV, don't kid yourself. I learned a lot about the criminal justice system. I met a lot of fascinating people who wrote about it, who, who cared about it. I got to work with Nancy Grace, which is a book in itself. Believe me. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, because uh, that's, that's right. Like y'all, you came in there after the OJ trial obviously yes right yes. and I remember that when that was going on like that's where I would go to watch the daily oh you know the stuff on the OJ trial was, uh-huh. uh, was court tv because isn't that was that monopolized their day and their programming for that time span right so isn't yes it- although see now you don't remember something about it tell me there was another channel that carried the OJ trial that was that was better distributed and more people saw it on that channel, but they don't remember. You know what it was? CNN. E. E. Oh, I the definitely entertainment didn't channel. Right. E. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't. I was not an E. And my friend Fran Shea right. was like the head of programming at E. And I called her up. I was working in comedy at the time. I said, what are you guys doing? Putting an OJ trial on, you know? Sure. And she said, look, it's Hollywood, man. Yeah. You know, so we're covering it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I just remember Court TV like that's when I was. I didn't. I don't even know if I knew that Court TV was a thing until the OJ trial. Yeah. Everyone was yeah. so fixated on that, and you wanted to see it twenty four hours a day. What was going on in the OJ trial? Go to Court TV, right? right. And um, obviously, you came in after that. Like that must have been a pretty hairy transition, where all those eyeballs worldwide or wherever Court TV was on, you know, watching 
being riveted to this OJ trial to then what do you do? Which, you know, you explained a little bit about what. Yeah, that was part of it. But, you know, again, you talk about all those people watching it. When I got there, Court TV was in about 25 million homes. Now there's 85, there were 85 million homes to be had. So it was really a baby channel. It just wasn't well distributed. So, you know, you saw it and you thought everybody else was watching it. It just wasn't available in, in most other places. And so when OJ left and the channel really started to flop, I mean, it was just going nowhere. Right. And it was owned by NBC and, H- and uh, Liberty Media and Cablevision. And they said, okay, we're going to give it one more chance under new management, me and, uh, and Henry Schleif. That's the other guy they hired. And uh, if it doesn't work, we'll shut it down. Right. And we made it work. And then when did it go to True TV? Was that under you or is that? that was, <laughs> well, see, what happened was when I left, I, I was there when Turner Networks bought it. Right. They, they came in and bought the channel. And they always said they didn't like the courtroom television programming. They just never liked it. Right. So I was there for like a year after they showed up just to kind of put everything to bed with Court TV. And then I left and then they turned it into True TV, which, right. you know, uh, is not kind of a single concept right. channel. Uh, it's more of a network although i don't i don't watch it so i don't know what they're doing yeah, it's like, kind of all over the place you never know what yeah. you're gonna get on true tv yeah. you know right, you can right. get you can get the impractical jokers or you can get um you know one of those weird like 30 greatest motorcycle accidents <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a strange yeah. like i i heard chris DeStefano was doing a pilot for true tv and i was like chris true tv yeah. like what well, all right i guess yeah, true tv went through probably like i, I was consulting at an entertainment company like eight years ago and they were developing just a ton of pilots and concepts. And, and the first place they took every single thing was to true TV. Always. Every, they, they would take the wackiest things to true TV. And I'm like, it's a surfing show. Like what? <laughs> like, why are you going to true TV? And they're like, Oh, they look at everything. I'm like, okay, you're right. You know? Yeah. Well, television changed a lot. I mean, yeah. when I, when I was in cable, as I said, in the early days, it was single concept. Yep. You know, the sci-fi channel sure. uh, came along. And, you know, all those single concept channels were great, I thought, a great way to do television. But channels kind of, they, they, they kind of became more like networks, you know, where they had all kinds of different programming. Yeah. And comedy, comedy Central stayed true to its brand, which I'm, right. you know, glad. So what, I mean, are you retired now? Are you still, like, are you doing any, like, what are you doing these days? <laughs> the hell are you doing now <laughs> yeah besides talking to these two what idiots. are you my mother <laughs> trust me I what just are you have... up to are you doing anything with your life <laughs> do something make something of yourself yeah, no, yeah. I, I um i have been writing right. for the last few years uh and i found that i am really enjoying it i mean i wrote the book sure i wrote the constant comedy memoir which uh was you can go to of... amazon and buy the book yeah Go right. to Amazon and buy the book. Please go to Amazon and buy the book. Buy no, the it's, a real, I, it's it, it turned out really well. I didn't even start out to write the book. I just started writing some stuff about what was going on then. And, and people in who listened to it said, wow, we didn't know you did that. Why don't you write right. more on that? So that's how I wrote that book. And it came out funny, 
but it, it really is the true story of what happened right. and what I went through. So um, it's a good book. Yeah. And if people want to see, you know, find out more about the book or me, they can, they can go to my website too, artbellwriter.com. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I'm writing, I'm, I'm working on not on fiction now, you know, I'm right. I wrote some short stories, just had, you know, just had a short story published in a literary magazine and that's right. what I'm doing. I love it. And I play drums, uh, not in a band anymore because uh pandemic. Right. And um, I play piano. I play oh, drums awesome. and piano. Nick's so, I'm, you know, I got stuff to do. Yeah, that's great. What was Court TV, your last TV gig? Well, it depends on your definition. I um, spent time after that doing consulting at a bunch of different networks. Uh, right. One of my favorites was uh, I worked for Panasonic when they were trying to get to get a 3D television network started. Right, right. Remember that? Yeah, sure do. With DirecTV? Yeah, I actually bought a TV with 3D at the time. There you go. Was it a Panasonic or a Sony? Be gentle. It definitely wasn't a Panasonic. Okay, I- that's not gentle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I didn't. I had no. I had no real kind of. No, I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember that I went at when 3D TVs first started coming out. I'm like, I want to get one of those. Yeah. So, so what I- happened? I never watched like barely because nothing was out in 3D, like the 3D network, which I know we had because I had DirecTV was there wasn't a lot. And then there still wasn't a lot that you could get on DVD or anything. And I remember I went out and bought a whole bunch of movies that I never would have bought just because they had a 3D version. And I watched them on our TV and I'm like, eh. (laughs) 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 You know what? I mean, it's an interesting thing to talk about because it turns out, and this is interesting, that if you want to make video more realistic, you know what you do? You make the sound better. Right. Yeah. And they found this out when they were doing simulation stuff in the army for tanks and planes and everything else. You, tr- you make the sound better and people think it's more real. Right. You add 3D, it doesn't, it doesn't really kind of take it that far. Now, I will say that when you see a 3D movie, that's cool. You know, on a big screen. Yep. That's really cool. And you know who else loves it? Directors. Right. They love working in 3D because like it's another storytelling device for them. But it it wasn't very expensive to at the time shoot like 3D, you know, because I I remember I had some friends who were doing a project for IMAX and they were doing it in 3D. Well, hold Stop right there. IMAX is not only 3D but they were doing, they had that large format, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, they had, I, I think the film was like this wide, you know, it's like gigantic. Right. Uh, and very heavy canisters and all that stuff. It was really hard to, to work with. Um, but 3D itself, you know, they actually innovated the technology. Is this interesting to you guys? They Maybe actually it's... innovated the technology. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. They did innovate. They did innovate the technology. So by the time we stopped, they had handheld 3D cameras, you right. know, that had two lenses mounted on them yep. that could, you know, they were point and shoot cameras. So it, it, you know, it really got a lot easier. Yeah. In the old days, it was two giant 35 millimeter rigs. Sure. But you know, that, that wasn't going to hold up for very long. So right. yeah, it got, it got like anything else. The technology is always going to make things smaller, cheaper, and uh, better. And you can pretty much have a 3D camera on your, in your iPhone these days. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, right. So that's what you're doing now. You're just writing. Is is that where you what you're going to do? Just you know, when you writing. say just writing, you do a disservice. To, <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm a writer. I understand. Of- <laughs> I, I'm a you're writer. so demeaning, <laughs> Greg. I, I, no, no, no. I think, listen, that's like that's like someone said. Oh, you're just in television. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. What, happened? what happened? Yeah. What about <laughs> movies? <laughs> no? Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. You're just a TV you guy. You get into radio. You went into television. What are you, gym teacher too? No. <laughs> wow, Greg's hitting them all today. Are you a janitor? Are you a school janitor? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm a writer too. Like I've written my my entire. I will say, I'll back Greg up here. He is. I, I, didn't I know do that. know. You know, obviously, there's nothing to shit on about writing at all. Um, yeah, I meant that. Like, you know, I'd be in an envious position if I was going to just focus on writing all day long and just make that my next career. You know. Move. I mean, you obviously already have a book out. Like that's a tremendous accomplishment. Thank you. You know. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, but I, I find I enjoy writing so much, and there's so much to learn about it that I can. I hope I just keep doing it. I hope I get more stuff published. I mean, I have gotten some stuff published, but I'm also working on a. I don't want to say it too loud because it jinxes it. Novel. <laughs> you know. I'm like that too. Whenever I have something, I'm. Ex- excited about i don't say it out loud i'm like yeah, nah yeah, you can't right, say it out loud because then it goes in the universe and right, things can fuck with i might it. as well throw the thing in a, in a drawer right now it's never going to see no nah, you said so it here it's that. gonna it's gonna go to the top now yeah I no, lose. But, but the thing <laughs> is I, I find writing really uh really interesting wait a second i got a big question for you guys did you read my book i actually i did not i'm going to because this just came about in the last few days since our oh, okay. one of our producers um all right. I don't want to put you on the spot, but no, no I have no problem. No, I haven't read it either, but I'm definitely going to order yeah, it. I just ordered out. a bunch of books. So check yeah. it out and let me know what you think. I will for sure. I like to hear, well, from, like to hear from my audience. Yeah. No, yes, how absolutely. is it self-published or is it through a publisher? No, no. It's, it's published by Ulysses Press, which is a small press. And it's not that small, actually. It's uh, an independent press, they call it. Um, right. But uh, in Berkeley, they've been around for 15, 20 years. And are you selling the books yourself on your website or is Amazon the place? I'm to going go? door to door, basically. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> During a pandemic, ballsy. That's, That's good. good. That for was you. a joke I always made to my wife. Am I going to have to go door to door with this thing? No, no. It's um, <laughs> it's out in hardcover and it's also available in eBooks. And you buy both of those on Amazon right. and you can also go to a bookstore. They're in bookstores. Sure. So, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it's great timing with the 30th anniversary of, of the channel. Are you doing anything around that? Is the channel doing anything? Like what, what what's happening? Okay, so do you know anybody <laughs> do you know anybody there? I don't know anybody there anymore. I know one guy and I tried to call him just to ask him, like, right. are you guys doing anything? Um, and like I'd like to send those guys a book so that you sure. know, maybe somebody would get interested in it. I um myself and a guy who was at comedy at the beginning named Vinny Favalli. Is that a name that's that name rings a bell, yeah. You know why he was on the Howard Stern show? Okay, that's why. If you listen to Howard, you heard about Vinny. Yeah, Greg's a big Stern fan, so yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah, well, they're friends. Um, But Vinny was, he ended up, we ended up, um, we started with the channel together. Right. And we kind of left around the same time. He left a a little earlier than me and went to CBS and became a, you know, executive in charge of late night there. So he he had a a great career. But he called me up and he said, hey, you know, we should really do a podcast, you know, limited series about the beginning of Comedy Central, have some people on. And I said, yeah, great idea. And then like 20 minutes later, I get a notice that there's a press release out saying saying we're doing. (laughs) Then he put the press release out through this press 
thing. And people started calling me like, Hey, great, great news on the podcast. And I'm like, I just found out about it myself. <laughs> anyway, we aren't doing the podcast. It's going to be, it's going to start April 1st. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, which is, which is the anniversary. April sure. is the 30th anniversary. I don't know if comedy central is doing anything. I hope they are. I wish, you know, I, I'd like to do something, you know, with them. Right. Um, but no better day to launch it than on April Fool's Day. Yeah, that's what we thought, I guess, at the time. Although, yeah, I, I, you know, as much as I remembered about those days, there are things I don't remember. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but me too. Sure. <laughs> me too. <laughs> People ask, actually, when they read the book, they say, how do you remember all that stuff? And I, I remember the stuff I remembered and I wrote the, there's a lot of dialogue in it, a lot of funny scenes, you know, meetings and stuff. Um, and I remember the things that people said, and that was a kind of the armature for those scenes. You know, I just right. remembered enough of it to, to write it all out. So did, I did not do any research for it. Do you think about making it into a movie, like a feature? People have mentioned that to me. Um, the rights are still available, guys, if you guys are in a producing mood. Um, <laughs> all right. Need some but, you know, like, who would we get to play me? I, I don't know. Greg, Greg could play Greg, you. Yeah. Greg could, no, I'm, Greg not, could, I'm not. I'm a behind the scenes guy. You could, you could play me in my, you know, writing years. <laughs> <laughs> Nick left to shave the beard. He can play you in the younger years. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I have to say it's been a lot of fun writing because I heard from a lot of people from the day, you know, back in the sure. day that I hadn't heard from. And I've made a lot of new friends. A lot of comedians have called up and gotten in touch with me and said, hey, man, that was cool. It was a great book. I didn't know that, that stuff happened. And it's just been a, another great adventure in my life. Wow, you know, I'm really glad I did it. Well, really, I mean, I can speak for Nick, but I'll let him speak for himself. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to yes, us. This is awesome. thank oh, so thanks for much. talking to me. We, we obviously love talking to guys that are in the, that, you know, really, as far as our coming into comedy, um, were there and provided all this entertainment for us for years. Um, you know, I'm obviously much older than Nick or not much, but old enough to be much it's very really older than yeah. Nick. Uh, I'm better looking and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Funnier, but yeah. really from, you know, thank you very much for, for doing what you did and having the foresight to create a network for comedians. Oh, oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So, um, we can, everyone can find the book at, at Amazon, hit up your website. Buy the book. God damn Buy it. the book. People who listen to funny people. Come on. This I is love that guy. endorsement. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Keep in touch and we'll I be will. looking out for the podcast. And when that launches, you know, we'll certainly, we can either have, you know, do something else with you or, you know, great. Give you some recommendation for people to go on and stuff. Cause obviously people should talk to you guys. Terrific. I appreciate awesome. that. All thank right. Thanks very, very much. much for taking the time. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks.